Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from the Southern California foothills town of Glendora, California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead lost people to Jesus, building a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you, opens your heart, and shows you how to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Church. It's Pastor Jim. It's good to be with you again. We are in our fourth week of a five-week series on living a strong life, biblical keys to living the life that God wants for you, a strong life, a happy life, and a life that is committed to Jesus. And we've looked, uh, we've looked now at focusing on, on the positive side of life, on, on what God has called us to and gifted us with, uh, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, think on these things. We've talked about focusing on the things of God instead of being obsessed with our anxieties. Secondly, we've talked about passion, about finding your calling in this life. Uh, and, and in that second week, I gave you six keys for looking at what God has called you to. Because strong and happy people are people who discern what their mission is in this life. Uh, thirdly, last week, we looked at people, positivity, passion, people. Uh, I'm, I'm noticing a, a trend here. Um, we looked at people because Jesus' greatest commandment was love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we talked about what it means to live lives of love. And today I want to look at purpose and, and what it means to, to live for a cause that is bigger than ourselves. Because the, the truly strong and happy people in our world are people who live for a purpose that is greater than themselves. But before we get into that, uh, I need your an opinion. Uh, I need your opinion on an uh, uh, a poor. I can't talk today. Uh, I need your opinion on an important topic. So we have one of our uh, surveys uh, sent out through our app. If you've already downloaded that, uh, you've got it in front of you. Uh, I believe uh, our our staff has explained to you how to download that earlier in the service. So you want to make sure that you uh, have that app ready to go. You'll you'll notice. Uh, that there's a place that you can look at. You might have to click more at the bottom, but there's a place for uh, notifications where you will see that we've sent out a daily survey. And I'm going to read you the survey now, and you can chime in and vote on this very important critical issue and uh, watch the bar graphs go up and down as you vote because other people are voting at the same time you are. Here's the question. How do you feel about talking to someone you don't know in line at the grocery store? And here are your four, four choices. Number one, that's what I usually do. So that's already normal for you. Two, it's fine if they start the conversation first. I'm not going to talk to them first, but if they start it, I'll go ahead and talk to them. Three, stranger danger, this feels weird. Or four, I'd rather stay home and shop online than have to talk to somebody else in line at the grocery store. Those are your four options. Let me know uh, where you land on that. I think, here's my guess, I always like to predict a little bit where these are going to go. Sometimes I'm pretty sure, sometimes I'm not so sure. I think this one is going to land... I think the most popular vote is going to be a different one than most people expect, which is ironic because we're all voting together. Anyway, fill that out. Uh, let me know what you think about that, uh, and that will, uh, that will lead us into our biblical text for the day. Uh, let's, uh, as, we, as we pause from our voting, let's take a minute. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that you long to be in conversation with us. 
that wherever we are, whatever we're doing, that you want to step into our day and interrupt our day and be in conversation with us. I thank you that your door is always open to us, that anytime we want to call out to you to speak to you and interact with you and uh, call, your, call your blessings into our lives, you are, you are ready to do it. You are waiting for the opportunity to speak. So Jesus, we invite you now uh, into our hearts, into our homes, into our lives. Speak to us. Teach us to pause that we might listen to you clearly and hear what you have to say. Teach us to respond in obedience and faithfulness and love. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. All right, open in your Bibles or turn them on to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to look at a very famous teaching of Jesus. One of the last things he said before he ascended into heaven, he has died on the cross, risen from the dead, and now he is commissioning his disciples to send them out into the world once again. Uh, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 28 at verse 16. Follow along with me in the word of God. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. 11 because uh, Judas is now gone. 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Some doubt it. Now, this is important. Pause on this. Notice this before we move on. There are people in the crowd who know that Jesus has risen from the dead, and they still have doubts. They're still not sure, despite the fact all they've seen Jesus do, despite the fact they know what Jesus is capable of, they still have doubts. If you are in a place of doubt, look at what Jesus does when people doubt. He is not looking to punish them. He is still pursuing them. If over the course of this last year, you have put Jesus on the back burner because this, this year was so stressful, you were so worn out, you, were, you struggled with doubts. If you have pushed Jesus to the side, he's not waiting to punish you. He wants to pursue you. We get so afraid when, when we see Jesus chasing after us, we, think it's, we look in the rear view mirror and we think it's like the, the police car with the lights on chasing us. It's not a police car, it's an ambulance. He's not coming to arrest us. He's coming to heal us. When, when Jesus is uh, chasing after us, it's not because we're in trouble with him. It's because we're in trouble without him. So just know that if this has been a year of doubt for you, Jesus loves you no less. He is not resentful and angry. He's looking to bring you back. Uh, let's continue. Uh, then Jesus came to the verse 18, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You cannot live the Christian life unless this verse is written on the marrow of your bones. This one has to go deep. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Therefore, whatever we do, we do in light of this truth. How do I live my life when the person that I love has died and is gone and life will never look the same again? Because all authority in heaven has been given to Jesus and he loves your loved ones more than you do. How do I raise my kids in a world of bad influences without having constant anxiety attacks? Because all authority on earth has been given to Jesus and he loves your kids more than you do. How do I give my time and my money and my 
mindset and my life over to God when I know that it's going to alienate me from my family and my friends aren't going to know what to do with me. Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, and he loves you more than you do. Everything is in Jesus' hands, and everything we do, we live in light of that reality. Verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, this is the Great Commission. This is Jesus' sending of his disciples, his commissioning of his disciples, which ultimately is a commissioning of us. He would say the same thing in Acts chapter 1. Uh, Acts is the book that describes the story of the early church. Acts chapter 1, he says, you're going to go to Judea, Judea to your friends, to Samaria, to the people you don't like, and to the ends of the earth. That is Jesus sending his church out, sending his disciples out to the ends of the earth. That is why Christianity went from 12 disciples to 2.2 billion Christians living in the world today. This has been the, the mission of the church from the very beginning. This is what we are called to. This is the purpose that is higher than us. There is no strong and happy life outside of finding a purpose that is bigger than yourself. And this is it. This is the one that Jesus calls us to. This is how Jesus sends us out. Uh, we celebrate, again this week at Real Life Church, we celebrate baptism after service out on the front lawn. We've got a, an inflatable tub, and we'll be celebrating baptism again. If you want to be baptized this week, if you want to join in this, this flow of the Great Commission from Jesus to the end of the world, the first thing to do is to put your life in Jesus' hands and say, I trust you. I need you. I can't do this on my own. And the next step is to be baptized, to stand in front of the community and say, let the old me be washed away. Bring on the new me. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for rising me, raising me to new life. That's the fulfillment of the Great Commission, and it continues this weekend at Real Life Church as we celebrate baptism again. Now, I've seen the Great Commission carried out in a few different ways in my lifetime. Uh, and some of these are a, a bit odd, some of them are a bit funny, uh, and some of them are powerful. Uh, when I grew up, I lived in the South. Uh, uh, part of my life was in Texas and Georgia. And, uh, and, and I went to church, and there were, there were churches in the South that were, you could call them uh, conservative, but you could not call them evangelical. Uh, and that's kind of an important distinction to understand. Conservative churches like to keep things the way they've always been. They're not real excited about change uh, in any way whatsoever. Truly evangelical churches will change absolutely everything except the gospel so that the gospel counts for everything. Truly evangelical churches will change absolutely everything except the gospel so that the gospel counts for everything. They'll change the color of the carpet. They'll change the music. They'll change whether they worship inside or outside. They will do whatever it takes to spread Jesus to the whole world so that everybody knows how much Jesus loves them, so that everyone knows that Jesus died for them on the cross and wants them back. That's how evangelical churches function. But I, as a young uh, as a child, went to some churches that were very conservative traditional churches, not necessarily evangelical. In fact, what they do, instead of actually being about the business of evangelism, of, of sharing Jesus with the whole world, instead, they would form like a little evangelism committee in the church. 
there was a little group of people who were responsible for sharing the faith, the evangelism committee. And uh, the evangelism committee was uh, basically made up of uh, all the people who were a little too serious about the Jesus stuff. Uh, you know, you'd have a dinner party and they'd kind of ruin it because everybody else wanted to talk about sports and the weather and they kept talking about Jesus. It made everybody uncomfortable. And so eventually the pastor would put those people on the evangelism committee. And on the evangelism committee, they'd, uh, you know, they'd study their four spiritual laws and they'd look at the best practices for knocking on doors and they'd, you know, talk about icebreakers that would allow you to start a conversation on your college campus with some student like, hey, if you were hit by a truck tonight, would you burn an eternal hellfire? Right, those things like that. And then, you know, I realized when I was about a senior in high school, oh, the evangelism committee is the pastor's way of saying, bless your heart, you're a little bit weird. And that was the evangelism committee. The evangelism committee would offer classes on evangelism, on how to share your faith. And the only people that would attend them were people who were already on the evangelism committee. And they would talk about which spiritual law they were going to share this week. And if, uh, and if you ask them, why should I talk to someone who is not a Christian about Jesus? They would say, because it's a commandment. Jesus told you to do it. He said it, now I'm doing it. You're supposed to do it. It's called the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions. And, uh, you know, I listen to that, and I think, oh, yeah, bless your heart. You are a little bit weird. But that was, that was an early experience of, that I had of people trying to carry out the Great Commission uh, in the way that they thought best. Well, uh, the world has changed. And in the 1980s, there was a, a different movement in churches that was, that was evangelical at its heart. It was an attempt to reach people who were not going to church in a culture which increasingly did not feel any obligation to go to church. And some very entrepreneurial, pioneering pastors in the 1980s says, uh, said, we have to do something different. We have to change how the church functions because they're not, they're not going to come. They're just going to stop coming. What do we do? And they looked at the, the church buildings and the layout of the church building. And the church historically has been shaped uh, like, a, like a classroom. You have people sitting in chairs, listening to some egghead up front give a lecture. And the goal was to get facts into your heads. And maybe you write them down in the margins of your Bible, whatever it is. But you're supposed to learn stuff. Uh, because I guess, you know, children all over the world grow up going, I love school, I can't wait to sit in a desk and have somebody give me a lecture again. So in the 1980s, they said, well, what do we do? They said, well, I mean, we can probably change the context of the church from feeling more like a classroom to feeling something that looks a little bit like a classroom but is different. What, should we, what, what metaphor should we use as we think of the church? And they landed on it. They said, ah, let's think of it as a theater. Instead of a classroom, let's think of it as a theater. There's still a stage up front. There's still chairs. But in a theater... You're not trying to get facts in your head because you're going to be tested on them. You're trying to have an experience. You go to the theater to have an experience. And the bigger the experience on the stage, the bigger the experience you might have. And you might actually learn things in that process. You might actually pick up new ideas and thoughts in that process. But it's very different than a classroom. Uh, I, I go over all this in my book, It's Like This, uh, which looks at some of the metaphors that we have used as a church uh, to think about ourselves. And, uh, and so in the, the church's theater, the idea was 
people will pour into this because instead of a, a still dying uh, traditional classroom-like atmosphere, this is going to be a place of powerful uh, spiritual uh, relevance and movement that people will be attracted to. And sure enough, it worked. Starting in the 1980s, churches all over the United States and actually around the world began to make this shift. And the music changed and the lighting changed and what people did during the service changed. And, and people poured into these churches, people who had been going to other churches. I remember hearing a mega church pastor give a lecture, and he said, you want to grow your church, I'll tell you how to do it. Just preach a little bit better than the church across town, have a children's ministry that's just a little bit better than the church that's across town, and eventually everybody who's across town will leave the boring traditional churches and come to yours. And then you can make all kinds of money publishing books on church growth. And he was speaking tongue-in-cheek, but he was describing what's going on in the world. Because since the 1980s, the new culture of churches have grown, and this, this new kind of church has grown, but the number of Christians in the United States has continued to go down every single year. It continues to drop. Because changing the way the church appears to people is not the same as Christians carrying out the great commission of Jesus. Jesus sends us out into the world to love people in Jesus' name and make Jesus' name known. And that requires more than an exciting church service. Now, I saw a third kind of evangelism, uh, but it wasn't in the church, and it didn't have anything to do with the church, but it was powerful. Uh, I remember when I was a, a student in college at UC Berkeley, and uh, there was a guy in one of my classes who was about 10 years older than me, because he had gone from high school to the military, and now he was back in college getting his degree. And he and I were out having lunch one day, and, uh, and he was telling me about his experience in the military. And he got, he got more and more excited about it the more he talked about it. He was describing being in a tank in 150-degree weather, trying to train two younger guys in the tank how to do what they're doing while people were shooting at them. He, he described how loud it got inside the tank, and as he described it, his volume started to reach the volume of a tank. He said, he said Texas, when a shell explodes near you, your teeth rattle. Uh, he called me Texas because uh, he knew I was from Texas, but he couldn't remember my name, so for a while, I became Texas. I was kind of okay with that. He said, Texas, you wouldn't believe what it's like to be in the tank with people shooting at you, and when the explosions go off, your teeth rattle. And he said, uh, he said, uh, he said, you wouldn't believe the experience of feeling like you were putting your life on the line for something that was bigger than you, uh, for serving your country, uh, for protect, protecting people that you cared about, protecting values that you cared about. He said, you wouldn't believe what that feels like. And when he was done, he says, so if you ever want to do something big with your life, let me know. And I thought to myself, how, how could I not sign up? I, that sounds like the greatest thing ever. I want to fear, feel my teeth rattle. And I want to give my life to something that's bigger than me. And then I realized, that guy's not a recruiter. That guy's an evangelist. He's not talking about it because he's going to get some kickback if I sign up. He's talking about the best experience he ever had. And it goes so deep in his soul, he can't help but share it with the world. That's what evangelism is. 
And I wonder now, do I love Jesus as much as that guy loved being in a tank? Do I love Jesus so much that it just comes out all over the place, that I can't stand talking about anything else because I am so excited about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and what Jesus will do? I want my life to count for something that's bigger than myself. And that's what Jesus promised me. That's what Jesus called me to in the Great Commission. Hey, Jim. I'm going to do something amazing with your life. I want you to take everything that I've given you and everything that I've taught you, and I want you to go out and love people in my name and tell them about me and teach them how to tell other people about me until it gets all the way around the world. There's not a better calling than that one. And the truly strong and happy people in this world live with that kind of purpose. Uh, I see that uh, I see people do that in the the church as well. Of course, I, I know I know uh, people who uh, who live with that kind of passion and that kind of commitment to Jesus. And I got to see it actually about a year ago, uh, pre-pandemic. I was uh, serving at one of the pantries I like to volunteer at, uh, and uh, I was at this this pantry with a, a pastor whose name is Alan Stretch, and he's at uh, Pomona Vineyard Church. And uh, we met and had coffee and so forth. And he says, "Hey, I want you to come to a pantry." Uh, that I work at. And I was already working at one pantry, but I wanted to go see his too. And um, it was fascinating because they weren't just giving out food in cars. Um, he was doing something else as well. Uh, we, we handed out food. We put food in boxes, put boxes in cars for a while. But then he said, hey, let's walk down the line of the cars and let's pray for people. And I said, sure, great. And so I followed along behind him and he'd walk up to people and he'd introduce himself. He'd say, I'm a pastor. And uh, he'd chit chat with them a little bit uh, about life. And then uh, often he'd say, hey, is there anything I can pray for you? Or sometimes he would say how you were doing, and they would talk about how everything was terrible in their lives, and he'd know what they needed prayer for already, and he'd say, hey, can I pray for that specifically? And uh, they almost always said yes. It was a rare moment that anybody didn't want prayer. In fact, many of them were eager to accept prayer. And he would pray over their lives and pray encouragement for them and pray blessings for them. Um, and then he did something remarkable. Because often he would get such a positive response. I'd see people break down in tears. They were so appreciative of him. And then he would ask him a question. He would say, uh, now do you have a church? And uh, sometimes they'd say no. And I thought at that point, well, now he's going to do what pastors do. And he's going to say, well, then you can come to my church. Right? He's already done the hard work. He's gone out, met somebody, prayed for them, touched their heart. Now he's, his church is going to grow because he's going to invite them to the, his church. That's not what he did. He said, is there anybody out there who loves you, who's been inviting you to church? And often they would say, yes. Yes, my friend. Yes, my mom. Uh, he would say, okay, I want you to go to church with that person. And after we were done and we'd walk away, I said, why did you do that? I thought you were going to invite them to your church. I mean, that was a great lead-in. Why didn't you do what we pastors do and just invite them to your church? And he says, this isn't about me and my church. This is about the kingdom. And I know that person is far more likely to go to church with someone who loves them and who has been inviting them than they are to come with me, a stranger whom they've just met. This isn't about me. This is about the kingdom. That's a guy who's living for a purpose that's bigger than himself. That's a guy who's willing to make himself vulnerable, to not profit where he could profit because he doesn't care about himself. 
he cares about the kingdom. And that's what it means to follow out the great commission of Jesus and live for a a purpose that is higher than ourselves. We're not in it because it builds the church. We're in it because it builds the kingdom. We're in it because broken people need to be loved. We're in it because people who have lived lives of sin and self-destruction need to know that Jesus died for them to take their sins away and to set them free from guilt. We're not in this for ourselves. We're in this for something that's bigger than ourselves. And every strong and happy person out there has figured out how to live for something that's bigger than themselves. Um, Saw it uh, again recently, and I want to share with you a story. Uh, Somebody from our church was out sharing his faith just uh, in line for donuts one day, and and I want you to hear that story firsthand. So uh, Jared and I sat down uh, and had a conversation about his experience of sharing his faith, and I want you to see that firsthand. Hi, Real Life. This is Pastor Jim, and I'm here with Jared Votaw, who is a member of our church and actually on the board here at Real Life. Uh, And he told me a cool story this last week about sharing his faith uh, with some folks that he met, and I wanted everybody to hear it. Jared, you want to tell the story? Yeah, thanks, Pastor Jim. So the other week, I was at uh, Donut Man with my three-year-old daughter because it was my wife's birthday, and I wanted to surprise her with with donuts in the morning. So my three-year-old daughter and I, we drive over to Donut Man, we're standing in line, and there's these two young guys, probably about 18 or 19, that are standing behind us in line. And they're using all types of colorful language. And I'm thinking to myself, my three-year-old daughter's right here, colorful language. What do I what do? I do? do I say something? Is it the awareness piece? They're not just recognizing it. And so I just I have this boldness come up because they're, they're talking about school and about parents and things they didn't teach them. So I just said to them, hey, did anybody teach you guys about Jesus? And they looked at me and they're like, well... Yeah, we, we know about Jesus. One guy said, I grew up in the church. I was a youth leader. As he's wearing his Playboy hat, so I kind of knew where he might be with the Lord or uh, believing about God. And the other guy said, yeah, I didn't really, I really know too much about God, but you know, we, we, don't, we don't know Jesus. We know about him. Um, we, we've never had an encounter with him. So I thought to myself, well, the Lord set you up with the right person because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you in my head. So I said to these guys, uh, can I pray for you? Because when I pray for people, Jesus touches their lives. Uh, so they said, yeah, and they, they take off their hats, they have this, this reverence, and I pray for them, and I ask them, uh, did anything, anything happen, you sense anything? And they said, no. And I thought, Lord, I'm out here trying to, you know, share you with these young guys, you didn't, you didn't touch them. So I said, all right, God, give me a word for this guy right here. And the Lord gives me uh, the words uh, Google and AI, AI meaning artificial intelligence. So I asked the one young guy, and I said, hey, you want to work at Google or anything? He says, no, I don't want to work at Google, but I want to be my own boss. So I said, oh, I understand what this means. So I began to say to him, what I sense uh, for you, this, what the Lord's put in my heart, is that you have, a, you have a desire for information technology, artificial intelligence, cybersecurity. These are things you really want to do with your life that are deep in your heart. And this guy, he jumps back two feet and he says, how did you know that about me? How did you know that about me? He turns to his friend, he's like, you know those things about me, and I, I, I haven't told anyone else. And I said to him, listen, I don't know you. I've never talked with you before, but this is Jesus. He revealed this to me. Uh, for you because you said you've never had an encounter and here's your encounter with Jesus now that you know he's real and you can believe in him so we keep we keep talking we're in line and I felt the Lord just put on my heart hey buy the buy the donuts for these guys and I said all right Lord so I said hey guys I'm going to buy your donuts whatever you're going to get and one of them said well I have to buy you know several donuts for my family and I said you buy whatever you want whatever you were going to get I want to pay for these for you because I want you to know that Jesus is really involved in your lives and he wants you to know he's real so buy the donuts for these guys, and we're walking back to our, our vehicles, and I said, hey guys, this is Jesus, and you encountered him. He is real. 
And then my daughter and I got back in the car, and we drove home, and, and that was our Jesus encounter that morning at Donut Man. There you go. Uh, we live on mission, so every day be prepared for those moments where you get to pass the faith along. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. God loved you so much that he brought you into the world because he loved you. God loved you so much that he walked on the earth so that you could know him. Jesus of Nazareth, God and man. God loved you so much that he went to the cross and died for you so that your sins could be forgiven and you could be set free to new life. And God loves you so much that he has a purpose for you today. It is a purpose that is bigger than you and I but something in which we get to participate that will change the world. You and I are called to take the, the love of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus and the life of Jesus and go and replicate them and share them and pass them on and teach other people how to do it as well. If there is any strong and happy life to be had in this world, it comes from becoming part of a story that is bigger than our own story. And you are invited to be a part of the best story that has ever been written and ever been told. The story of the God who loves us and who walked among us and who now has all authority over heaven and earth. There is no better story than that. And it's what our lives are for. Let's take a minute and pray together. Father, I thank you that you love us. And I thank you that you have called us into the world with purpose. I thank you that when we follow you, it's not simply a static, calm life. It's a life of passionate ministry, living for you and making your love known. Jesus, fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might be witnesses to you in the world. Make our stories part of your story. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.